0: Good morning, you may be seated. I was reminded this morning of the scripture that says, Behold how good it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. And that's what it feels like this morning, all together, just worshipping God and all doing our part. During this week, um, I've been reading through... A portion of trying to plough through the whole of Isaiah, but I've so far only managed to get halfway through. But there's something that caught my eye, which is the basis of this morning's corporate prayer. And it's um, found in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. So just let me read this to you. It says, in that day, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. In this chapter, Isaiah is prophesying that God's people would praise God for the deliverance that he would bring. Notice where it says, Give thanks to the Lord and make known among the nations what he has done. And notice also that it says, Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Appreciation of the love and goodness of God lead God's people to want to make him known to all the world. May we today, as God's people, be encouraged to share the glorious things God has done and make him known in our world. Whom can we make him known to? Do we have family members, friends, work colleagues or perhaps business contacts that are unsaved? Are you concerned about them not knowing Jesus? Can you bring a picture of them to mind? What are their names? Shall we pray for them this morning? Before we do this, let's take a moment to bring them to mind and name them. We can ask the Holy Spirit to bring them to mind. Let's just pause for a moment. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we give you praise for all the glorious things you have done in our lives. We thank you for Jesus and for the sacrifice you made for us all. This morning we bring to you all the unsaved people in our lives that need your saving and healing touch. We pray for our family members and ask that you would prompt them to think differently than they have ever before. We ask for your forgiveness where we have been negligent to share our faith with our family members. Give us courage, we ask, and show us opportunities to share our faith and give us words to speak that will make an impact on them. We also ask for your saving grace for our friends, whether at work or in business. Let us not miss opportunities to reach out to them, whether in word or in deed, Fill us with a willing spirit, we pray. Teach us how to be a good example to those around us so that, we can, so that we can be a living testament to the love and work of Jesus in our lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and work in our hearts, minds and lives that we may bring glory to you, our Father, and to your dear Son, Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Can we say amen to that? I just um, was thinking this morning too um, about sharing our faith and the importance of it because Jesus told us to. He said in Matthew 28 verse 19... All authority and heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, I, I have been in the last nine months trying to get some tracks from America to use this evangelistic tool. I think the devil is thwarting my plans a bit, but he's not going to succeed. But in the meantime, I've got a few of these um, 3.16, um, which is Max Licato's Evangelistic little booklet. I've got a few spare ones in my bag, if, if any of you would like it. Um, in the meantime, if you could think about or pray for me that these tracts that I'm trying to get, which I, would, I really see that the Holy Spirit's going to use in, in times ahead to reach people. In fact, you may not know this, but apparently Pastor Bill was saved through the distribution of a tract on the street. Is that right, Mike? Yeah. Anyway, have a wonderful morning. Is that on? Yeah.
1: Lovely. Okay. Where's the camera? Hello, good morning. Uh, Lovely to see you people here on um, an interesting winter morning. I I mar your courage to come out. It's just great. Uh, Welcome to those online, particularly our residents, we should say, or the people we often see, so... Uh, Jenny, good morning. Uh, David and Anne Sanders. Anne's had her back operation, is doing really well. We hope we'll see them soon, or if they're off to Queensland. Uh, but Anne's doing really well. Uh, Nadine Crane. I think Nadine's about to move or has moved into her new accommodation. Not yet? Not yet. OK. Hello, Nadine. You're still at home. Uh, who else is out there? Um, the Barnes family. Sam is sick this morning, so he would have been doing Ananias and Sapphira so he's not uh, uh, he's uh, suffering with a cold so bless you Sam and the Barnes family I trust that uh, you are feeling better and getting well. So you've got me this morning. So um bless you my name's Mike for those that don't know me. Uh, I will try and behave because we've got visitors. <laughs> so let me pray if I may. Lord may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. In Jesus' name, amen. bit of Psalm 19. Well, I trust like you and Bev, uh, sorry, like Bev and I, I've got to put my glasses on so I can see what's going on here. I trust that uh, like Bev and I, you are loving the way Sam has been unfolding the book of Acts to us, how the influence of Jesus led by the Holy Spirit in the early church spreads across the world instructive lessons for us today. It is truly an inspirational story. Sam's going to pick up later on uh, chapter 5, which is Ananias and Sapphira, as I said, but today we're going to look at chapters 6 and 7, and it's the story of a man used by the Lord to bring about huge growth in the church as a result of personal persecution. It's not something we like to hear about, but in fact, persecution Causes growth, uh, both personal and church-wise. It's not yet Paul. Paul comes later in the story, but Stephen, the first martyr, and his story is quite intriguing. So the background is that if you were attending, if you attend here regularly, or in person, or if you're online, on a regular thing, you will have been following our readings in the church. In in the how the church after the day of Pentecost started to grow at a rapid pace, pace, and so thousands of people coming into the church. Wow. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? We're looking for new, more chairs, and trying to work out where we're going to cram people in. It'd be fantastic, uh, and so um, it's growing. Early in chapter six, we note how, uh, we note now that we have two di- different religious practices running in parallel you think about it, so we've got the uh, one hand, you've got the original Jewish system, which is still based around the law and the worship in the temple, and now this new growing New Testament church of followers of Jesus who believe that he is the promised Messiah. This is a changeover period. You've got these two two almost competing, uh, not religions, but systems. And the last verse in chapter 5, the previous chapter, sets the scene for us. Because it says in chapter 5 at the end, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Do I love you, South African people? You, you've got a quality about you. There's something about tenacity of your faith. So just to love to see you. You're sort of, you know, yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely leading, see, it's great. <laughs> so these people, these weren't a, a, another Sunday go-to-church group of peoples, but they were full-time. I think I've told you before, but uh, Bev and I met some people uh, some years ago at a conference in Sydney, and we were sitting in the spa, and we are chatting, and, and uh, the guy says to us, he said, oh, he said, you're, you're, you're a Christian, you're with a Christian mob at this conference. And he said, is, uh, is that a hobby for you, or is it a way of life? What a great question, isn't it? I think some people, it's a hobby, turn up once in a while, think it's nice, but the rest of you good people here are committed to the cause, they're committed to Jesus. That's wonderful. So how would you answer that? Is this a hobby for you? No, I won't ask you that. That's, that's rude because you're the, you're the committed. Thank you. Because of the number of disciples grow, um, were growing, blah, 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 blah. did I have breakfast this morning? Blah, 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 blah. Must have been bird seed, sorry. Because the number of disciples was growing, this led to challenges within and without the emerging church. At this point, the church was still entirely Jewish. But there were two major groupings within this Jewish faith the original Hebraic Jews, the people that spoke Hebrew and, and uh, or Palestinian, born in the Holy Land. And then there were the Hel- Hel- Hellenic Hellenic Jews who spoke mainly Greek and were born in other places apart from the Holy Land. Each group had their differences. The first challenge was then when a dispute arose about the daily distribution of food amongst the widows as part of the church's function to care for the widows. Here we have the potential for the first division. My group is better than yours. We deserve more food than you. And you know how the stories go. And as Hans pointed out last week, there are always people who will hold differing views from us. But the secret is how we handle this. And not let issues divide us. So we get very precious, don't we, about certain subjects? But Christian grace is considering considering others. You don't have to agree with them, but you consider. So the twelve apostles had a meeting. And for those of you like Dave who've been in in the church government, that nothing changes. There's always meetings. We love meetings. We've got to organise things. We have meetings. But they decided that they needed to prioritise their roles and concluded, the, the, the apostles, that their job was not to wait on tables but to preach and teach. But they identified the need to deal with the practical aspects of running an organisation and sought to appoint godly people whose role would be to handle these practical issues. These were the first deacons. Both were and are still very important both involve spiritual gifts, and the church cannot function properly today if it doesn't recognise these different gifts and work with them. Uh, we expect too often for our leaders to do everything, but the church, the leaders need to delegate if the church is to grow. But, and Paul, as you know, um, speaks a lot about this. He had a lot of very good teaching in, in Romans and Corinthians, both in, ch- in chapter 12, about the church and how the church should function, and the, and the use of the spiritual gifts. I think you did here some time, I think before Bev and I came, a puzzle person or puzzle man. So looking at the various gifts and how things how things fit together. Okay, so the disciples were instructed to choose seven men. So if you're following this, this is a chapter six, we're just working through it. I don't is it on the screen? We don't necessarily need it, Dave. I think it just if you've got a Bible, it's chapter six. If not, I'm pre I'm Preceeing? Preceeing. I'm giving you the, sort of, uh, uh, sort of, the long preceeing. The long they were instructed uh, to choose seven men from among them who were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. They agreed to turn over the responsibility of this practical action whilst they concentrated on prayer and the ministry of the word. This seemed agreeable to the disciples and seven were duly chosen and they were presented to the apostles who commissioned them for the laying on of hands. That's a really important thing is that you don't just say, oh, you can do this, but you actually lay hands on people and commission them and pray that God would bless them in their service. The church continued to grow rapidly in Jerusalem, and we see in verse 7 that even a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So the switchover is happening from the old style to the, to the new, to following Jesus. Stephen excels in his role. He was described earlier in verse 5 as one who was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And being full of God's grace and power, performs great signs and wonders amongst the people. What do you think he did? This is interactive time now. If you haven't been here before, you're allowed to sing out. And so Stephen's been given a job as deacon and he's, been, he's written up well. What do you think he did? He feeds the, widow. he feeds the widows. Well done. Exactly. Practical. Absolutely. Do you, How do you think that might have happened? Can you just you stretch your imagination? Anybody read the book... Um, about an Italian lady uh, who she's got a big pot of pasta and she's cooking it up a big meal, and all of a sudden all these people drop in and there's not enough food. So she goes, "Hey God, hey God, you make it more of the pasta," and she just keeps, she just you know keeps bailing it out. It's a true story. Um, so come on, what's happening? What's happening here? What, what do you think is happening? So he feeds the widows. Well, what else is he doing? Raise the, dead. Raise the dead. Very likely, possibly, possibly. We don't read that, but very likely. Why not? nothing else boring old job then (laughs) what's it like to be a follower of Jesus do you see any miracles do you see any people encouraged do you see any there's something about him wasn't he glowed it said somewhere later on his face shone like an angel I think he loved people he loved people he wanted to serve people he wanted to put people in in, in front of himself he wanted to do good for his community anything else? pardon me? Heal people, thank you. Johnny Shorey would have done. He would have seen the disciples doing that. What do we do? Oh, lay hands, Jesus' name. Be well. The other day I was in, I was in Coles, I was waiting for Bev, had a couple of minutes. And funny how these things happened. This lady came in, she was in a tearing hurry. You could see she was quite distressed and she was looking around. And I clocked her. I think it's what David would say as a policeman, you clocked her. You were aware of this person and just there. I thought, okay, what's going on here? Anyway, it ended up going, we, we met at the checkout going out and uh, she'd only got a couple of things and I hadn't got much. I said, no, get after you. Go on, you know, see you in a hurry. Oh, oh, thank you, she said. And she said, oh, I've, I've got these tablets. I've got a headache. I said, headache? Oh. <laughs> I thought, go on, go on, Michael. I said, uh, headache. I said, do you think I could pray for you? Oh, would you, she said? And I said, I'd love to. And I said, so I put my hand. I said, no, no, on my head, she said, on my head. <laughs> so I said, okay. In Jesus' name, headache, be gone. And I she's walking out, I said, by the time you get to your car, I bet it's gone. And I believe it would have been. Somehow there was a Holy Spirit connection. It's fun being a Christian. It should be. Should be, it's exciting. So Stephen was a man full of faith. I think he did lots of wonderful things and he was loved by the people. It was the life of Christ that lived through him. When we accept the Lord and ask him to come and live in us, he begins to change us into his likeness if we allow him room. The struggle is letting go our ego. Tell me about it. Allowing him to rule, dealing with our pride and self-centeredness. I think that 's the overcoming that the Lord talks about dealing with self, putting Jesus, allowing Jesus to live through us. Another life now lives in us. Bev tells me that uh, sometimes when she was leading worship in a donut seat in a, down at Seaton, a big congregation and you believe in worship and the presence of God would come in to that service and, and you would be aware you'd be watching people being touched by the Spirit of God, you couldn't actually explain it because it wasn't anything you were doing. It was just you were just opening your heart to God. You were worshipping Him with hundreds of people, loving Jesus, and God's presence would come in and fill this place and something started to happen. I've seen that preaching couple of times, I remember uh, years ago over in Port Lincoln, um, in the middle of a sermon, I spot this guy up the back. He's on the sound desk. And I point him out and I said, you there, you've you got the back there. I said, you've got the, and I, started, and I prophesied over him. And I suddenly thought, for goodness sake, Michael, I had this sort of out-of-body experience going, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you saying? Because I didn't know this guy. It's just out of my spirit. And afterwards he came and it was amazing. He came after us and told me that it was absolutely spot on. He was going through something and, and, I mean, you've experienced that here. You've seen certain things when the spirit of God moves. Happy day. So we're aware that there's a supernatural element happening which you are watching, which you didn't make happen. A person filled with God's spirit will begin to act and live like Jesus. Dave, if we could have that first uh, slide. Thank you. And Sue, you love this. Guess what the scripture is? Hey, hey, who said God's not at work in the church, eh? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Well done. A life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wonderful. Thanks. I tell you I like you so. Africans. Second slide, please. Billy Graham quote. You can read that. You can't live the life by yourself. Holy Spirit must live in you, express himself through you. Living for Christ is a day-by-day experience. Dependence, continual, the Spirit of God and believing in his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Now, here's the negative, not here's the, here's, a, here's, a, here's a, the, the, the next bit. One of the sure signs of being filled with the Spirit is trouble. It's trouble. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you start pushing in with God, you can bet, sure around the corner, there'll be some trouble. However, it's not always bad. By any means, but often leads to great growth. You know, we've got to push against something. For those of you who go to gym, I don't know why you do that. I think it's dangerous. But apparently it's by pushing against stuff that you grow. You know, you stretch, you stretch, and your muscles get toned up, and you grow, as it does in Stephen's case, and cause the gospel to spread outside of Jerusalem. I think Sam said recently that you can arrest the followers of Christ But you cannot arrest the gospel. You can't tie the gospel down. It seeps out everywhere. There's a quote here from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, in his book, The the Cost of uh, Discipleship. Uh, uh, Pastor Bonhoeffer was a German uh, Lutheran pastor. He's a theologian. He was an anti-Nazi dissident in the Second World War. He died right at the end of the World War in April '45, just before the, 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 the war ended. He'd left Germany earlier but returned during the war even though it knew it might cost him his life because he said he could not be part of the rebuilding of the post-war church in Germany if he hadn't been there and suffered with those people. What an amazing statement. He knew it would probably cost him his life. But if he was to be part of that rebuilding, he couldn't have do that without being there and suffering with people. What what wonderful testimony! He says, "Christ's life on earth." Is, uh, I think we've got this, Dave. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Christ's life on earth is not finished yet, for he continues to live in the lives of his followers. Indeed, it's wrong to speak of the Christian life. We should speak rather of Christ living in us. I live, and yet no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Jesus Christ, incarnate, crucified and glorified, has entered my life and taken charge. To me, to live is Christ, and where Christ lives there, the Father also lives, and both the Father and the Son, through the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity has, himself has made his dwelling in the Christian heart. Filling his whole being and transforming him into the divine image, that man knew the Lord, didn't he? he? He understood what it was about. History and experience teach us that when the Spirit of God starts to move, there is opposition. Normal human behavior starts to arise. You know how it goes: jealousy, power, personality issues, my rights, my rights. Very quickly, unless handled wisely, the church can start to fracture and new groups form and fight and so on. Of course, no, that happens in the church today, does it? All right. One particular group in the scriptures here were members of a, a synagogue called the Freedmen. began to argue with Stephen. They were caught up in their old traditions. But they couldn't stand up against the wisdom that the spirit gave him as he spoke. Failing to win their point of view, they played dirty and persuaded, bribed, some people to twist the story, lies. Does it sound a bit familiar about Jesus and his... uh, and they claimed that Jesus, uh, sorry, that, that uh, they accused Stephen of speaking against this holy place about the temple and against the law. They claimed that Jesus said he would destroy this temple and change the customs Moses handed down to them. There was some truth in what he said, but they twisted it to make out that he was against their system and pulling it down rather than fulfilling it. A couple of decides, asides here. In Matthew ten nineteen, uh, Jesus says that when you're arrested, not if, <laughs> you know, when. So when you know fa- when you face persecution, when 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 you hit, hit some hard times, don't worry about how to respond or what to say, for God will give you the right words at the right times. Perhaps some of you have experienced this. Can anybody tell us a story of when this happened? If, if been you know. Challenged about your faith, and then you go up up, up, up goldfish, up, up, up. What am I gonna say? Bah, 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 bah. Nobody? You haven't had any persecution? Please tell me. I'll oh, come, oh, come down there. Don't don't get don't get over your cold. You?
2: <laughs> One day a lady called me a fool, um, something like this for my my Christian beliefs. And and I said, well, I've been listening to you and you tell me you're a cosmic accident and you come from monkeys and you don't know where you're going why should I listen to you? and she blushed and I walked away <laughs>
0: okay,
1: thank you
2: thank you yeah,
1: why should I listen to you? why should you listen to me? anybody else? I'd rather you tell stories I can tell stories all day, you know that <clears throat> Yes, please. Thank you, ma'am.
0: Oh, loud voice. Come <laughs> on. I'll, I'll just hold it. Yeah. Oh, I have to. Uh, yes, you
3: have oh, to. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Um, well, we, we're from England, and we joined a church there in England, and um, we, had a, we had been there for about a month, and the people were, they were nice, um, but we... Quite charismatic, my husband and myself, and he, it was actually the story of Stephen that you're telling us right now. And the, the crux of it was, at the end, they said, um, oh, this guy was coming to the end of his sermon and he said, oh, and Jesus was sitting when Stephen was stoned. And we both said, no, Jesus was standing. And they didn't like us and they chucked us out the church. <laughs> but anyway, so, but we are still great Christians and we still follow God. Great, <laughs> thank you.
1: All sorts of interesting things. Anybody else? Go ahead. All right, can I tell a story? Yeah, you know you're going to get one. All right. So, um, I moved jobs, I walked, went into a new office, and from the moment I walked into this office, there was a lady who just started to attack me. I mean, it just, uh, oh, hello, you're a Christian, are you? I hadn't said anything. I just walked in. Just, Where's my desk? Where do I put Sit down. And she's at me. And this went on for days. I hardly walk in the thing, and, oh, here comes the Christian. Um And I thought, I don't know, I'm getting a bit sick of this. Uh, and so this went on for a few days. And then it ended up we had to go, she and I had to go to a, a meeting on York Peninsula, about two-hour drive, just the two of us in a car together for two hours. I was really delighted. <laughs> <coughs> and so it started. <laughs> and we got talking so so heatedly, well, so heatedly, it was, it was a good conversation. And, and we ended up going to Elizabeth because we got so involved in this conversation. And we said, oh, for goodness sake, we're supposed to be going to York's Peninsula. And we're on the, you know, so anyway, we went across country. And during the conversation, she said to me, well, why do you believe? And as quick as a flash, and this is when I know it wasn't me, this little voice in my head says, because it's true. Because it's true. And, you know, with that, Something happened in the heavenlies. I don't know what happened. But she changed completely. It broke like this this antagonism. And then we, had, we ended up having this wonderful conversation. And she had every right to be angry with Christians because she'd been a social worker. She'd been involved with, with dealing with some of the young men from, um, and David, remember this, the, uh, uh, the one of the pedophile rings. And some of the people involved with that were people in high society and I suspect were in... in high positions in in the church she was very angry and I said i'm angry too and Jesus is angry it's not the church I said that's not how we Jesus behaves it is a very you know, and, it, and we became good friends it's amazing after a while we became really good friends and she was a really lovely lady and she was just angry because of what she'd seen in the name of Christianity very telling lesson wasn't it, just to be per to, to yeah so the other side is a quote from our daily reading by the late Selwyn Hughes. Uh, we, we find, personally, we find this daily devotional so appropriate for us. It seems to fit in as whatever we're thinking about at the time, like the scripture pops out, that's what we'd have been reading this morning. It's just almost, it seems that way. There are many div- different devotionals, and I'm sure uh, you have your own or you use them. Uh, what a great help they are. But the uh, the Bible reading was, this was on July the 5th, and it's entitled, I'll Sue You. A missionary in India tells how he once met and talked with Mahatma Gandhi, and he put to him this question. Why, what should we Christians do to help the men of and women of India? And Gandhi replied, I would suggest four things. First, that all Christians and missionaries must begin to live more like Jesus Christ. Second, that you practice your religion without adulterating it or toning it down. Third, that you emphasize love and make it your working force, for love is central in Christianity. Fourth, that you study the non Christian religions more sympathetically, so that you can have a more simple, sympathetic approach to people. What wise words! What Gandhi was saying quite simply was this, if you want to be valid, be more like your master, be Christian. And Gandhi said another time, he said, I like your Jesus, but I don't like you Christians. <laughs> so a pastor who'd been invited to speak to a group of wealthy businessmen tells how a millionaire came to him before he commenced his address and said half jokingly yet half seriously, if you don't convert me today, I'll sue you. I wonder if that's what the world is half saying but wholly thinking. If you Christians can't convert us, we'll sue you for breach of promise. You promised so much, and what are you doing about it? I suppose it all, if all the taunts of the world were boiled down to just one, it would be this. You promised much, now provide it. Wow. The church has spoken so many promises to the world. Now it's time to step up and deliver. Be authentic. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Another day, Selwyn speaks about, it goes on the same sort of thing, about those who oppose us are suffering themselves from inner emptiness. You know, the world is searching for answers, aren't they? They're sadly going often to the wrong places, but they're searching. They're half hating us, yet half hoping that we can show them we are right. You think about that. It's what an interesting statement, isn't it? They're half hating us, yet half hoping, hoping that we can show them that we're, that we're right. You know, the authenticity of our faith. Not bland. Jesus, remember, Jesus in Revelation rebukes the church about being lukewarm. I say, you're deeds, you're good people, you're doing all this, but you've lost your first love. The church rises and thrives on the wings of adversity. The battle is the Lord's. It is true. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Back to the story. Stephen, it would appear, it was just an ordinary, just an ordinary, <coughs> Jewish believer who had encountered Jesus, his Holy Spirit. And like many Jewish boys, he would have memorised the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures for his bar mitzvah, you know, the red stuff. He had a fantastic handle on the Old Testament scriptures and he joined up all the dots in God's story and understood the meta narrative. He saw this big picture of what, where God was, was his whole journey. Bev woke up this morning with this on her mind. She said, this is that. You remember when Sam spoke earlier on? This is that. Bev, come and tell us what, what you you felt this morning. You okay? You, you're travelling all right? Yeah, good, good.
2: Wanna well, come up or you can do it from there? I'll sit down here. I thought to myself that was that was what happened this morning. I woke up with this, you know, this is that. When we're talking about Stephen. Um, remember that, um, Peter said that, uh, those same words. And I can remember Sa- Sam standing up here and going from one side to the next and saying, this is that. And he kept saying, this is that. And that's what was in my mind this morning. So if Stephen was there on that day of Pentecost and he heard Peter's sermon, Then he must have understood something. Or maybe he wasn't even there, but he was one of the 3,000 that were converted on that day. Or maybe he was part of the church that developed as they met in, from house to house and they, and daily it says people were added to the church. Now maybe Stephen was part of that. And let me just, um, read this, um, scripture from Acts 2 verse 16. And this is what Peter said. No, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. And in those days, and They will prophesy. Something miraculous was going to happen and was happening on the day of Pentecost. And so this amazing person who is just an ordinary believer was not an ordinary believer. Um, As we said in our prayer meeting this morning, we said we're a group of ordinary people meeting together, but we have an extraordinary God. Um, And so the coming of the Spirit Came for the very reason that you would be my witnesses. Now, Stephen, what a witness he was. Yes, he died. But do you know, as a result of that persecution, the disciples, the believers were scattered in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what scripture tells us. And so that was in my mind this morning when I woke up. What a witness. This man really was. Um, This is that. Um, And it's there, not just for Stephen, but it also says, and this promise is to you and to your children and your children's children and as many as the Lord will call. So that's what was in my alpha state, half between, you know, uh, waking up.
1: (laughs) Thank you. This is that. Okay. So he embraces all that Christ has for him. He, uh, it's recorded, he operated the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about. He certainly, I think, he would have spoken in tongues. Certainly, doubt about that. He showed the fruit of the Spirit. He was a real. He was full bottle. I think he would have lapped up everything that Christ offered him and began to live it out. He's passionate about the Lord, and it showed. By the way, could ask how how how's your knowledge of God's story? You're 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 the faithful. But for those, perhaps you're watching for the first time, do you, do you know God's story? Do you know why, why you're here? Do you know what God plans for you? Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? For us, seems so important that we read the Scriptures, isn't it? Now, here's a, here's a tricky question. Some of the young people might be help me. What is this? It's not, a trick, it's not a trick question. What is this? Can anybody help me? What is it? A button. A phone charger? What does it do? Charges? What part of your phone? Battery. Battery charger. Get the point. What's this? Battery charger. You're getting it. You're getting it. Very difficult to understand, isn't it? If what God is doing, if you only come from time to time, You only get part of the conversation. You miss the bigger picture. Attendance for worship and teaching was not an option in the early church; it was a priority. Stephen is dragged before the authorities. Now I know you're looking at your watch. That's only chapter six. Now we've got chapter seven. Excitement! I just this is going to take me three minutes to do this. this. Chapter seven you can read for yourself. It is absolutely brilliant. David, would we'll just uh, if you would throw this. Up, I'll cover this very quickly. So Stephen's response as he's dragged before the authorities is is not to try to absolve himself of these charges, but gives the Jewish leaders an account of the plans of God throughout history to the present time. And if you read it, it's just amazing. His just knowledge, his story after story, but God did this and he raised his head, he took the people here, Moses, took them out of the promised promised land, Uh, it got... Pardon me. And he goes right through the whole story. Read it for yourself. He breaks it, though, into three parts where he lists the three pillars of the Jewish belief and Israel's failures. He breaks into the land, the law, and the temple. The land. They wouldn't enter the promised land. They wouldn't enter the promised land. They were hard-hearted, and they spent another 40 years wandering in the desert till that generation died out, except Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. Secondly, the law. It was given by Moses. But while he's out getting the law, what do they do? They end up worshipping calves and idols again. They slip back again. So they're given the law, but they don't obey it. The temple. God, as we know, doesn't live in houses made by human hands. He lives. What does that song say? I know he lives. He lives. He lives. He lives within my heart. The temple sacri- Gosh, I got struggles this morning. I had a cold, that's my excuse. The temporal sacrificial system was replaced. The curtain, as you remember, was torn from top to bottom. Jesus secures our reconciliation to God by the sacrifice of his body and blood and the temple was eventually destroyed in AD70 and a few years later the temple actually is physically destroyed but Jesus was talking about his body wasn't the temple that would be but would be raised again so this really stirs them up. And he starts calling, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are uncircumcised. You're like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? I mean, he's mad. He's mad with these people that are holding back the purposes of God. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given Through angels, but you haven't obeyed it. Well, surprisingly enough, they got a bit angry with him. He he told them they weren't good listeners. Well, he was shouting at them, but (laughs) he said, but oh, the words of Jesus echo here. He that has ears, he, she that has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Then Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God That was all too much for them, and they completely lost it and dragged him out and stoned him. There's a little bit here which I just love, and I was sharing with Willie this morning. She's going to share a word of encouragement to us later. But here's Stephen. He knows he's in trouble. He knows he's in big trouble. He's fearless, though, standing up for Jesus and talking about it. And you can almost see them picking up the rocks. But just at that moment, what does he see? The Lord smiles out of heaven, and he says, That's my boy. That's my boy, and Lord Jesus, and God, Jesus' at his right hand appears from heaven, and he's smiling down on Stephen. And Stephen goes, Lord, I can see you in heaven. And that was too much for them. That was the final straw, and they took him out and stoned him. But isn't that grand? Even in his darkest moment, when he was in huge trouble, he was about to die, did Jesus abandon him? No. I promise. Am I stealing your thunder, Willie? Share, share your word? Share your word. Go on. Yeah. Share your word. It's all part of the, you know, there's no beginning and end to this thing. Lunches we serve later.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is what I um, was on my heart during the week when I was doing some Bible reading. And I'm going to read it because I get all things all mixed up. So when God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, a double negative is used to convey the strongest sense of never possible in the Greek language. The Greek words, al are used, which in essence means never, never, or never, ever. And this double negative appears twice in one statement. al is used for both never and not. In other words, God is saying, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you. The Amplified Bible puts it like this in Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, absolutely not.
1: Thank you, Willie. sense That's for somebody here specifically today. If you doubt, really, that Jesus is with you, just think of that lovely illustration of um, dear Stephen sensing God's presence. So it wasn't the end. It was just the beginning. Persecution broke out, and God used this to take the message of Jesus, as we've heard, outside of Jerusalem, and enter the whole wider world. So, and Hughes again writes the early church could have gone into hiding, but instead they went everywhere spreading their faith. They did not just bear persecution, they used it. It cost something for them to be Christian. It also meant something. And then, like Jesus, the Lord Jesus, he said, He prays, Lord, receive my spirit. And like Jesus before him, prays, Lord, don't hold the sin against him as his dying words. I wonder if that could be our testimony, so full of God's love. I've got a long way to go. I know that. But to be so full of God's love that you can forgive even your enemies. What's a perfect sacrifice? And we're going to come around the table now and uh, just um, in a minute invite the music team. But just, just a, a couple of... Uh, Just quick thoughts on that and and I think it's really important, I think it flows a bit in with what Hans said last week and what uh, Willie prayed this morning, Uh, to be thinking about those who are outside of the, the faith and the security that we know and there are people with lots of differences and our normal human reaction is to take sides and but Jesus says, what does he say to us? What, what does Jesus say about those that stand against us? What does he say for us? Pray for them. Pray for your enemies. What what a model um, Jesus offers to us. No wonder Gandhi and um, people say, let's let's see some of your authenticity. Don't talk the talk. Walk, walk the walk. And so this morning as we Come around the Lord's table. He's paid an amazing sacrifice for us. And Michael, I'll try and get this right. It was his body that was given for us. He gave his body for us. Those that have opened their hearts to Christ and invited him in, we know that peace and security and all the hope that he offers us. In this world which is being shaken, we have two unshakable things, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever in the kingdom of God, which can never be shaken. What hope, what security we have. There are many that don't know that. So let's this morning as we come to the communion table, Jesus said, I've, I've come to die for you on your behalf. Came into the temple, ripped the curtain that separated us from God and it enabled us to have access through his body, which was torn. His body was given for us. And his blood was shed in a new covenant, the changeover from the old system to now instead of having animal sacrifices and sacrifices, Christ makes the sacrifice once and for all. So I invite you this morning, uh, we're just going to sing quietly and just come up. I think we'll start from this side, Richard, if you would, if you come up from that side and then go back down the middle. And, um, and then when this side have gone, if you do the same thing, if you wouldn't mind going out that way and then coming, coming back. So if you go out that side and back down the middle so you don't bump into each other. It's okay. Pause when you take communion. Think what it costs. Think what it costs you to be a disciple. Are you willing to take the price? Don't take this lightly. Think about what this means. What it's cost, are you prepared to pay that price? Are you just a believer or are you a follower? Are you a disciple? Are you prepared to take it the next step of saying, Lord, come and live within me. Help me to be obedient. So come, as uh, just invited to come now. Come to the Lord's table. It's an open table. Take the elements and remember that Christ died for you. His blood was shed for you that you might experience His wondrous presence and never, ever be fearful again. Thank you. We're going to close with uh, Jesus is Lord, your Lord. If we stand together, if you've uh, taken your communion. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, please don't leave today without making that sure in your own life. There's always opportunity please hang around for a few moments or if you've come with somebody or you want to talk with somebody, there's a prayer room afterwards. We're going to sing uh, this song that Jesus is Lord. Sing it from your heart. Ask to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Remember the battery charger. We all leak. Lord, fill us afresh. Give us courage. Help us to be true followers of you. And then Sauron's going to close the meeting after we sing this. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Received a message from Sam while we were uh, listening to the Word, and uh, Sam, uh, Sam and the family have written. I, I see. Thank you, Mike, for saying hello, and he, they are feeling blessed hearing the Word preached faithfully and hearing everyone share and participate. It's been a wonderful time, and they feel very much part of what's been happening. Bless you all, and look forward to seeing you soon. He said, I've, I've had my battery charged this morning, which is always nice. Once you join me in prayer? We'll close. Uh, God, we ask to be great witnesses, uh, to embrace the fullness of the life you have for us, to live a faith-filled life where we are changed through the letting go of our ego and ourselves and allowing Jesus to live through us. We ask for you to give us the right words at the right time, to be truth speakers in our communities, peacemakers in our church, and to live authentically and outwork your love for people the way that Jesus did. Amen. Look, if you want to uh, hang around for for prayer, spend some time talking to someone, um, having some conversational support there is a prayer room uh, in just in the back corner there otherwise please do hang around for a coffee uh, and a chat go into your weeks in peace thank you